Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For over 300 years, Christians have sung and cherished the hymn, Beautiful Savior. You may remember, as I said in the announcements, that starting in March of this year, hundreds of you participated in what we called Hymn Madness, and it was a lot of fun. We started out with 64 hymns, voted them down to the Sweet 16, the Elite 8, the Final Four, and then the fiercely competitive last pairing, Here I Am, Lord, versus Beautiful Savior. Well, both are lovely. This time, Beautiful Savior emerged as our favorite. Today's homily will be a celebration of this hymn, its history, its meaning, and then more personal comments uh, relayed by some of you. Its first known appearance was in a Jesuit manuscript produced in Munster, Germany in 1662 with six stanzas. It was first published as a hymn with five stanzas and called Schönster Herr Jesu, or Fairest Lord Jesus, in a Catholic hymn book in 1677. We have no record of the author for either the text or the original tune. That German text was paired with the tune we sing today by Heinrich Hoffmann von Fallersleben and Ernst Richter in a songbook in 1842. Fallersleben said he heard the tunes sung by people harvesting hay in a field, and he liked it so much that he paired it with that text. And he named the tune Ascalon. This hymn somehow made its way to America, I wasn't able to find out exactly how, where it was published by Richard Storrs Willis in a hymn book in 1850. He called the hymn Fairest Lord Jesus. This is the version used in non-Lutheran hymn books in the United States. Willis called the tune Crusader's Hymn. Apparently, he had a false assumption that soldiers sang it on their way to the Crusades, maybe because Fallersleben's name for it, Ascalon, was the location of the last battle of the First Crusade. Bottom line, our favorite hymn was not sung during the Crusades, which it missed by a few hundred years. However, there is another association. Hungarian composer Franz Liszt used the tune in his 1864 oratorio, The Legend of Saint Elizabeth, in a section called The Crusader's March. And so the tune called Schönster Herr Jesu, as it is in our hymnal, is also known as the Crusader's Hymn and St. Elizabeth from Liszt's Oratorio. Finally, we come to the Lutherans and Joseph Cease, born in 1823 in Maryland. He was born into a Moravian Christian family and was confirmed at age 16. I found it very interesting that although he was discouraged by both his father and his bishop from entering the ministry, hmm, <laughs> he studied by night with his Moravian pastor. He was quite determined. And then with the help of some Lutheran clergymen, in 1842 he became a Lutheran pastor, and we're glad he did. 
He is the author and editor of over 80 books, and he is the one who wrote the translation of the hymn that is so beloved by us. And it was published in a hymn book in 1873 called The Sunday School Book for Use of Evangelical Lutheran Congregations. And he called the hymn Beautiful Savior. It is referred to as a uniquely Lutheran translation. Many translations and tunes currently exist for this hymn. About 60% use the title Fairest Lord Jesus, 15% know it as we Lutherans do as Beautiful Savior, and about 25% use other translations. It must be noted that F. Melius Christiansen arranged the hymn for the St. Olaf Choir, College Choir, of which he was the founder and for several decades the director. It has been a signature and favorite of the choir's program since 1920. And on a very contemporary note, I was fascinated to learn that the hymn tune is featured several times in the animated films Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. Who knew? So that's a bit of history. Let's look at the meaning. And if you feel like you would like to follow along, you might open your hymnals to number 838, since we'll be singing it in just a moment anyway. 838. The first verse declares that Jesus is sovereign over nature. It names Jesus as both human and divine, Son of God and Son of Man. In my reading, I came across a, a sermon by John Chrysostom from the fourth century, who said this, I do not think of Christ as God alone or man alone, but both together. For I know he was hungry, and I know that with five loaves he fed five thousand. I know he was thirsty, and I know that he turned water into wine. I know that he was carried in a ship, and I know that he walked on the sea. I know that he died, and I know that he rose from the dead. I know that he was set before Pilate, and I know that he sits with his father on his throne. I know that he was worshipped by angels, and I know that he was killed by his own people. And truly, some of these I ascribe to the human and others to the divine nature. For by this reason, he is said to have been both God and man. My friends, is that not a beautiful Savior, the Son of God, becoming vulnerable like us? And what is our response? To truly love him and truly serve him the one who is the light of our soul, our joy, our crown. The second verse begins with the beauty of creation. And if you are like me, this theme is a point of strong connection and love for this hymn. For my whole life, I have felt that nature is not only beautiful in itself, but that it points to the beauty and love of the Creator. And so we sing, Fair are the meadows and the woodlands and the flowers of spring. And we declare that Jesus is even fairer, even purer than these. 
And when we are in places of sorrow, he makes our spirits sing again. For me, sometimes the Savior lifts my spirits through the beauty of creation. The third verse lifts our eyes to the heavens, the sunshine, the moonlight, the stars, and then points us even higher as we praise our Savior who shines brighter, who shines purer than even the angels in the sky. And finally, in verse 4, we return to the beauty of our Savior and we praise him. Glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore be thine. So beautiful. I have been asking people for their associations with this hymn, and I've been blessed by what you told me. Several wrote about generational memories, often combined with college choir memories like these. It's the St. Olaf Choir's theme song, of which my mom was a member, and it was sung at her funeral by my college roommate, also a choir member. Another, I used to play a small organ in my grandparents' home while everyone sang hymns in harmony, including Beautiful Savior. Another, it reminds me of my grandma, an only choir member and longtime church organist who I'm sure is singing it in heaven. And it makes me think of my mom because it was her favorite hymn. Another wrote, I hear my grandmother's rich alto singing it clearly in my memory. And personally, I am so touched by the way hymns can help us feel closer to generations past. For others, it evoked memories of poignant times. One said, it makes me think of our wedding where it was sung. Another remembers sitting at the piano as a teen with her younger sister on her lap, teaching her how to play it. Several mentioned Christmas Fest at St. Olaf and concerts at Concordia featuring this hymn. Another remembers singing it at nursing homes with her brothers and sister. And there were deep emotions evoked. Some teared up and some shed happy tears when they sing it. Another said, whenever we sing this song, in my mind, I'm waltzing with our Savior Jesus. And one last story. This one is about faith awakening with this hymn. It comes from a lifelong servant in God's church. She said, I was probably four or five years old and in vacation Bible school. Church was new to me and I didn't know anything. The teachers took us into the sanctuary to work on our songs. Whoever was in charge explained the reason we are learning a song called Beautiful Savior. It is because, she said, Jesus is our Savior. The teacher pointed to the huge stained glass window at the front of the church. It showed Jesus with his hands outstretched. And in that moment, I understood it. Jesus is my Savior. My friends, may our souls be awakened and enriched as we stand and sing, Beautiful Savior.